0: Welcome to the Green Scene Podcast by Protect Environmental, where we discuss indoor air quality and building science with subject matter experts and advocates from around the world. Our goal is to raise awareness and foster an ongoing conversation about the importance of creating and maintaining healthy, safe, and sustainable indoor air environments in the places we live, work, and learn. Here's your host and managing partner at Protect Environmental, Kyle Hoylman.
1: Hello and welcome to The Green Scene. I am your host, Kyle Weilman. In today's episode, we are excited to talk with two guests, David Gallay, and Chris Bonnewell. David is a partner in the environmental department of Barnes and Thornburg. Before joining the department in 2001, he obtained an advanced environmental engineering degree and practice as an environmental consultant on various projects across the country. David has a legal practice that concentrates on many environmental subjects, brownfield projects, remediation projects dealing with soil, surface water, and groundwater contamination, environmental due diligence, assessing and managing the vapor pathway in real estate transactions and redevelopment properties. His area of expertise also involves cost recovery claims against owners and operators for contamination, including evaluating other mechanisms to fund investigatory and cleanup activities. Also joining us today is Chris Bonnewell, president of Vapor Products Group. Chris is a nationally recognized provider of radon and chemical vapor intrusion mitigation solutions and has over 13 years of professional environmental experience as a state regulator and an environmental consultant. As president of Vapor Products Group, Chris leads the development, production, and assessment of products advancing the radon and chemical vapor intrusion industries, along with the recently patented Vapor Sentinel Remote Monitoring System and the Vapor Sentinel New Construction Technology. Chris and David, welcome to the green scene. Let's start with sharing a little about yourself. Chris, uh, you're up first. Who are you and where are you coming from? And give us your experience in the the vapor intrusion industry.
2: So, yeah, my name is Chris Bonio. I'm a a geologist by training that went into the environmental industry after a a period of time in the manufacturing world. I think my first entry into the environmental world was as a regulator in the Indiana Department of Environmental Management. And after that, I Moved into the consulting industry on the other side of the equation. Between my manufacturing background and regulatory background and consulting background, I like to say I've sat on every side of the table for environmentally contaminated sites. I've been the responsible party or part, you know, in part, and I've dealt with the regulator and the cleanups of all of these things. While at the Indiana Department of Environmental Management, I focused a lot on groundwater contamination, but also into the vapor intrusion world and helped write some of the current guidance that they use to investigate products. After years of cleaning up sites and dealing with vapor intrusion, I've since moved into a new role at the Vapor Products Group company where I manage and develop new technological solutions for vapor mitigation and for radon. So I've gone from diagnosing vapor intrusion to providing ultimately solutions for vapor intrusion.
1: Dave, we know from your introduction that you're a glutton for punishment. You have both an engineering background and you're an attorney operating in the environmental contamination world. Tell us a little more about yourself.
3: Great. Uh, Thanks, Kyle. Having the engineering and legal background is nice because when there's lawyer jokes, I just say I'm an engineer. (laughs) And when there's... (laughs) <laughs> Engineering jokes, which are which are rare, I sometimes admit that I'm a lawyer, so that's a, certainly one benefit. I've been blessed to be able to be part of the Barnes and Thornburg Environmental Department for going on two decades. I currently chair and head up the, the redevelopment, environmental transactional due diligence, and remediation practice areas. And I also support our toxic tort litigation practice groups and have the pleasure of working with experts like you and Chris as well as other VI experts, you know, across the country on on issues that our clients are dealing with and facing. So, over the last decade or so, I have seen just a tremendous amount of growth and evolution and regulatory scrutiny on the vapor intrusion pathway, and specifically as it relates to my my work in Indiana and within you know Region Five states. We have, or I have been, involved with the start of, of Indiana's draft pilot program to assess vapor intrusion. That was released, I think, back in 2006, and it may have been updated in 2010. I had the pleasure of working with you and, and Chris and other consultants as part of a Midwestern States Environmental Consultants Association, where we helped state regulators, in particular item work on and updated vapor intrusion guidance, kind of getting into a room together and, and, and discussing and making sure the best science was available and all the tools were available for the regulators to um, develop guidance on. Over the last probably four or five years, there's been a number of different changes and focuses on preferential pathways and attenuation factors, mitigation systems, TC toxicity, and, of course, when you have a mitigation system operating, you need to have an operation maintenance and monitoring plan for that. I am currently working with, with IDEM and others on its next overhauled slash next generation uh, guidance, which will include new vapor intrusion guidance. On a broader state level, I'm involved with tracking you know numerous other state approaches from California to, to Massachusetts, so keeping my, my finger on the pulse of What other states and regions are doing is is very important. Also, tracked, worked with, submitted extensive comments on US EPA's vapor intrusion guidance, starting with their first draft that was released in 2001, all the way to what its final product was in 2015. And so I've been involved and focused on the VI pathway from the very beginning and have learned and continued to evolve myself with The risks and the the technology and the approaches to to manage this this complex pathway
1: all right let's start with chris give us a brief summary the dangers of vapor intrusion and how how has the industry changed over the last 15 years chris
2: well obviously environmental contamination is nothing new and actually neither is vapor intrusion however outside of radon which is natural vapor intrusion Chemical vapor intrusion really wasn't regularly investigated 15 to 20 years ago. However, now it's often the most dominant driver for many environmental contaminated sites. Obviously, the danger of it is you're you're breathing in these carcinogens in most cases or other toxic chemicals into the air and you don't even know it. Contaminated groundwater was the greatest concern for decades, but as developed public utilities displace private wells, that becomes increasingly manageable to make sure contaminated groundwater is not measured. However, with vapor intrusion, the air we breathe has to be controlled, which is a much greater challenge. The first half of the problem is identifying if vapor intrusion is even a risk for which the considerable effort and cost goes into even determining. And that's something where the science is obviously still developing as people are are continually researching better ways of how to tell if something's a problem or not. Um, and then once you know it exists, there's well-established tools for preventing vapor vapors from intruding into properties. And ultimately, the com- combination of better investigation and known entities is, over time, it's going to help to normalize that risk, just as people have normalized risks with soil and groundwater contamination. We know how to manage them. We can handle them. And that's where the, the vapor intrusion industry is still evolving into.
1: You mentioned... Humans breathing carcinogens sounds to me like there are some legal risk and liabilities that that would go with vapor intrusion to to include radon intrusion. Dave, where are we at on the legal front with these items?
3: I'd look at the the you know basic legal risk and liabilities related to vapor intrusion from from three broad categories of the types of clients and sites I work with. And then, of course, there's always a various amounts of litigation risk. So I thought I would tackle these three categories and then touch on some of the litigation risks since that kind of overshadows all of these categories of sites. So I, I do a lot of my work with helping clients secure and obtain regulatory closure for environmentally challenged sites. I also work with a lot of developers and local units of government who want to take those environmentally challenged sites and put them back into reuse. And I also do a fair amount of transactional due diligence work where portfolios of sites, uh, companies are changing hands, and in a short amount of time, um, those target companies need to assess and address their risk, and then um, the acquiring companies need to understand what those risks are and potential cost implications and so the vapor intrusion pathway as Chris noted continues to evolve so there are there can be some some tremendous challenges in each of those so going back to the first subgroup of securing regulatory closure I remember when I started as an environmental consultant a long time ago risk-based closures were the thing that all of the all of the large companies and a lot of our clients were looking for and of course you are leaving residual contamination in soil and groundwater, and then managing and controlling exposure pathways. So with the evolution of vapor intrusion, those risk-based decisions that looked really good 5, 10, 15 years ago, don't look so good now when you have to deal with potential vapors coming from, from from these chemicals that are left. And there's one particular chemical Trichloroethylene or TCE that has you know caused a lot of uh, of concern, especially with the vapor intrusion pathway. So, the VI pathway can can absolutely complicate and extend a path to closure. Uh, The second category is someone looking to buy and redevelop these environmentally challenged properties, and so it's very important to conduct appropriate due diligence to understand the risk. It's very difficult sometimes to determine whether the pathway has been appropriately assessed. I work with a lot and I see a lot of different environmental consultants take wide varying ways to address and assess whether the VI pathway even exists at a site. So there are significant challenges with that. And then coming up with a plan to manage those risks, we call it sometimes a continuing obligations plan, can be uh, challenging as well. Those challenges can be overcome um, with some new technology and some, some new science and, and, and other developments that can really make that, those decisions a lot more cost-effective. And then the third category is the transactional risk, where you know, typically we're asked to get involved in a transaction and make decisions about whether there are environmental risks on a very short turn, turnaround time, sometimes days, sometimes weeks. Uh, and so being able to come up with a way to develop a cost estimate to address what those potential long-term risks might be can be challenging, and the vapor intrusion pathway seems to always come right to the top. It's under a lot of regulatory scrutiny, and so that is a topic of, of much discussion in these transactions. And given the, the regulatory scrutiny, again, on this pathway, we've seen a, grow, a growth in litigation, and so we have a very active toxic tort group. We have lots of sites that are where this pathway is Surface that creates liability. And so we're seeing a significant potential risk with just just litigation, especially over the last four or five years. So you mentioned
1: vapor intrusion has evolved over the last decade or, or, or so. And you also mentioned ongoing obligations and liability and risk management. What are some of the regulatory changes that you see happening today and then what are some of the regulatory changes that you see on on on, uh, the horizon
3: sure so uh, a couple of the changes i think on the on the regulatory front there used to be a way and in some states and some regions you can still do this although it's more difficult where you can do a you know look at the groundwater and determine whether or not the vi pathway is a concern looking just at groundwater and sometimes you can also go in and do Uh, sampling over just a few seasons or sometimes even even, one time under the old guidance to assess the problem. I think that there's been a focus on the spatial and temporal variability with this pathway, and so a lot of regulators are asking for a lot more data to determine whether or not the risk has been adequately assessed and ultimately is going to be adequately mitigated with a high level of confidence, especially for those sites where contaminants are being left in the soil and groundwater, oftentimes for decades.
2: I think there's also a growing trend, uh, uh, especially in the regulatory environment, to better understand how vapors are actually migrating and moving throughout the subsurface. Is it a ubiquitous presence that just sort of works its way in, like radon, or are there the preferential pathway avenues, through sewer lines and through uh, utility conduits and other ways like that, that I guess non-traditional or very unique applications of how a, a site could be at risk. And I think that's a regulatory area that, that's changing very quickly as the science tries to
3: understand it. Chris, that's an excellent point. I, I often ask for a vapor conceptual site model, uh, and you know, you're, you're exactly right, understanding how these vapors are moving in the environment, whether or not there's a preferential pathway is often missed in these types of conceptual site models.
1: Dave mentioned new technologies that potentially will, will address some of the regulatory concerns. Obviously, that's right up your alley. Uh, you, you lead a, a products uh, development team at, at Vapor Products Group. What are some of those new technologies and how do you see them impacting long-term risk and liability management for chemical vapors?
2: I think they fall into really to two categories and as i mentioned before there there's the the front side of the problem of characterizing understanding where vapor intrusion is a risk and then there's the back side of the equation of solving the problem when it it does a risk on the front side those tools are 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 better analytical tools and real-time field tools that lets you go and understand and measure and, and characterize without spending vast amounts of time and money to understand the vapor intrusion pathway coming in and how much of a risk it is. Where I, I focus more in my efforts is on the backside of coming up with solutions to give that better you know, understanding and certainty of, of that the problem is being solved. And the key to that really is is telemetric monitoring and that idea of you have mitigation solutions that are out there that historically people would, you know, go check on them once a month and make sure it's still running and everything looks good. But as Dave mentioned, you know, trichloroethylene, some of the toxicity characteristics for it are very short term. So during that month period that something stops working, you could have hazardous exposure to inhabitants in a building. But as we develop these telemetric monitoring tools that are out there, now you can start to have 24-7, 365 monitoring knowing that okay, things are working and the inhabitants are protected and, and all as well. And again, that goes back to what I say, we're starting to get into that phase of being able to normalize the risk of vapor intrusion because it's, it becomes better manageable because we understand it and we can continually know. And in some ways I liken it to a, uh, a smoke detector or an airbag, or all these things, you start to normalize the risks of fires and of car crash injuries and things by putting in better technologies that let us understand them and make sure that we don't have to worry about them. And that's really what the long-term liability tail on vapor intrusion is, is how do I know that, just because I'm protected today, how do I know that I'm gonna be protected next week, next month, five years from now? And I think that's where the technology side can start to provide those assurances to people.
1: So new technology. How is that different from what happens today? What's the current practice for managing continuing obligations on contaminated sites? Um, Is it technology driven or is it uh, boots on the ground driven?
2: I would say it's predominantly right now boots on the ground driven. And, and you know, and that that fits with the model of the environmental consulting world. And that's that's just the cost model and how it works is to go have people verify things and check on things. The reality is they just can't be there all the time, even if they were to go out once a week. You know, the the short term toxicity concerns for uh, TCE are in the, you know, 24, 48 hour range. And so that's, you know, how do you handle that with a boots on the ground approach? And the answer is you you really can't, whereas technology can be there all the time at a much more cost-effective management standpoint and much more predictable performance. Telemetry systems don't get COVID. Uh, you don't have to deploy people for those things. You can work remotely and make sure things are safe wherever you are throughout the country.
1: Interesting. So we have technology that gives us the ability, as you said, 24-7, 365, remote monitoring as opposed to boots on the ground. You also mentioned that it's more cost effective to take this approach. Dave, you represent a lot of clients that are responsible parties on contaminated sites. What's your perspective on on this technology? And, and is it really, as Chris said, a true alternative benefit to managing ongoing Obligations on these sites.
3: Yes, I think I think it's it's. I think Chris is exactly right on 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 that front. The focus, or the, again, the revelation on on what a risk based cleanup or risk based closure looks like, is going to require a lot more focus on on the long term or the longer term potential impacts. So, for those who want to leave residual contaminants in the soil and groundwater, and that's you know perfectly perfectly acceptable under certain circumstances. The long-term obligations that go along with that have been changed with the vapor intrusion pathway. So new technologies, new methodologies to ensure that there are no risk with a higher degree of confidence is absolutely a focus in, in consideration of these long-term decisions that are made on these on these sites.
1: Chris, you mentioned, Telemetry systems for managing the back end of active mitigation, and those would go on an existing building. What's the practice in in new construction? What products are out there to help make sure that we're just building soil gas control in, into our building trade uh, building stock today?
2: Well, I think what's really interesting is, is that so many of the techniques from a vapor intrusion standpoint have been around for for decades now that relate to the radon industry. Radon is natural vapor intrusion. It's a natural contaminant it's ubiquitous almost across the entire US. And so there's a growing trend even in some of the non-vapor intrusion world to incorporate vapor safe buildings in there. And that applies even more so for that when you know you might have a potential vapor intrusion standpoint. And really that comes down to building a pre, you know, pre-construction or below the slab solution. That both gives vapors and natural gases a way to migrate away from the building, as well as a retarder or barrier to keep it from actually penetrating within the building in any way. So it's a it's a two-prong approach of divert as well as block. And so incorporating those into every building is starting, in my opinion, to become more common. And I think, you know, Dave might be able to to expand upon it, but you know, there's plenty of buildings out there that never thought they'd have an environmental problem, but their building next door created it for them. And so I think, you know, that's a it's a great prophylactic, essentially, of, of protecting your investment of a new building is to make sure that it's constructed in a way that's vapor safe, even if you don't think you have a problem, because, you know, you may in 10 years from now or 20 years from now. And So I think putting those vapor safe construction techniques in place is highly valuable for all developments.
1: Chris mentioned in new construction, you never know if you're going to have a vapor intrusion problem. Vapor could be uh, from an encroachment standpoint and adjoining property. Have you ever had a client that's actually just voluntarily chosen to implement passive soil gas control systems on their projects? Is it cost effective? Is it something that you recommend? Or is Chris off base on this?
3: Not at all. Um. Absolutely. When you're able to, especially for new construction, when you're able to address that pathway during construction, there are numerous cost-effective ways to deal with that. You know, and and it's. I'll go back to the kind of the revelation of risk-based cleanups. You know, a site a quarter mile away, a half mile away, could have released something into the groundwater and or soil and or preferential pathway that could be creating this type of risk at your at your property and so with the new ASTM guidance that's coming out oh in a few weeks along with the focus again on vapor intrusion there's been an expansion in the number of adjacent sites and adjoining sites you look at to assess assess this pathway so it's it's an absolutely significant issue to address when you're looking at buying and developing a piece of property that you think may be clean and it may be clean in terms of the soil on, under the site but there may be groundwater or there may be a soil gas plume that's coming from from another from another location that could be a, could be affecting and, and creating risk to the tenant or employees or if it's a family you know the residents of that of that structure
1: You mentioned vapor intrusion, being able to control vapor intrusion through passive soil gas control systems, Chris. Are there other benefits to that technology other than just vapor intrusion? Uh, are Are there other benefits of incurring this cost as part of the new construction process?
2: Yeah, in some of the areas, the technology and the, and the techniques you're developing, you can eliminate some of the gravel subfill, and so it can actually pay for itself in some of the ways that you have a better moisture prevention. Moisture encroachment and humidity can be one of the most damaging things to a structure, so it, it's very helpful with that. And to touch again upon what Dave said, it's not just today, it's tomorrow that you're protecting from, you know, because you only know what you know today, but you can't predict what contamination could be in the area a decade from now. Nobody plans on contaminating an area. So all you can do is protect yourself, and it's a heck of a lot easier to protect yourself beforehand in the new construction technique than afterwards.
1: Gentlemen, very interesting topic, and I really enjoyed our time together today. Chris, we'll start with you. Any last thoughts to share with us before we wrap up?
2: No, I appreciate having the time to talk about it. I think I've seen, as we all have seen, the vapor intrusion aspect of environmental contamination transforming an industry, transforming liability concerns, transforming property ownership and transactions. So I think, I think there's a lot to talk about, to dive deep about how many different aspects there are that is changing and where the new technologies and where the new solutions are in that industry.
1: Very good. Dave, final word.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Chris. I think I'd like to leave this on a, well, from my perspective, perhaps a positive note that despite all of the regulatory scrutiny, the evolution, the focus, the increased toxicity with certain chemicals, preferential pathways, that there is a way or ways to continue to secure regulatory closure, redevelop property, and transact and sell businesses. You just need a vapor intrusion game plan, and, and you know depending on what perspective you come from, that game plan would either look like a continuing obligations plan, which there's a set of detailed guidance out there on how to develop that, or if you are responsible for cleaning up a property, coming up with a long-term stewardship plan. So both of those plans will need to be site-specific, tweaked, modified for the site, but there is absolutely a, a way forward to deal with this pathway. So I think I'd like to leave that as a final note, that despite all these changes, that there is a there is a way, there's, there's new technology, there's a way to assess and address these sites.
1: Very good. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. And that wraps up this episode of The Green Scene.
0: Thanks for tuning in to The Green Scene podcast by Protect Environmental where we discuss indoor air quality and building science with subject matter experts and advocates from around the world. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to click subscribe and join in on the conversation, and be notified when future episodes are released. If you're listening to us via Apple Podcasts, don't forget to leave us a review. And if you'd like to learn more about the impact of radon and chemical vapor intrusion on indoor air quality, head over to Protect Environmental and check out our resources page. And remember, stay tuned and join us next time.